Hey everyone, welcome to the Hometown Fresh podcast, the show that talks all things grocery, customer service, career development, and more. Today we'll be hearing from one of our loss prevention specialists, Travis Lee, as he speaks with our director of loss prevention, John Ranks, about his career and upcoming retirement. We'll discuss the pitfalls and rewards of working in loss prevention, as well as John's career accomplishments, advice to his younger self, his experience working with HARPS for so many years, and what's next on his agenda for retirement. John has been an asset to the company and continues to provide valuable skills to the job. Listen in to hear what wisdom he has to offer and learn more about working with HARPS long term. Take it away, gentlemen. All right. My name is Travis. I'm here talking with John Rinks, infamous John Rinks. I think uh, if you work for the company longer than a year, you've probably heard his name before one way or another. Good or bad. Good or bad. Yep. So John, I'm asking you a series of questions here and hopefully we can get a little insight on, you know, where you've been and what you've been through kind of, and you kind of tell your story. I've heard it a couple of times, especially in the beginning, whenever you first kind of told me when you first started and what year it was and kind of how you grew in the company. Yeah. So what year did you begin working with Harps and kind of show the progression of that until now? Well, I started in August of 1978. Now, don't any of you age me. Yes, I'm 71. So in 1978, I had just gotten out of the Air Force and I needed a full-time job. We lived in, just moved to Northwest Arkansas. So I was given two choices to work for. Harps was one of them. And I signed on as a stalker full-time at North Store. Moved on as a closing manager there. Then they transferred me over here to 119 next to the corporate office. I think 1980. I worked from 80 to 82, almost 83 and I got called to the office one day, was a, made the store manager at Berryville. So they took me over to Berryville and dropped me off. So I managed the Berryville old store that we had in Berryville at the time, store 166. I did that for three years. Coming off a of vacation, they called me and said, hey, we need you down in Fort Smith. So I went down to Fort Smith and went to store 171 on O Street in Fort Smith. Worked there for three years. They created the DM spot, which had at that time not been a position in the company, and they needed applicants, and they were going to make two DMs. And so I applied. Kim Meskew, you know who he is, CEO of our company, and I were chosen as the DMs. Kim lived in Mountain Home. I lived in Fort Smith. Kim was moved to Springdale. I was moved from Fort Smith to Mountain Home, and we began our district manager career. That stayed through basically 2013, but I had last few years from probably 2005 had really been working as DM and LP for the company, working with camera systems since 2005 and finally convinced the company that I couldn't really do both well. So they created the LP job. So LP job from 2013 till now. Well, I want to ask you real quick on how you used to kept shoplifters. What did you do? I don't know. That was a thing. I, as soon as I started working for the company, I just was very observant. When a customer passes me, I can analyze quickly by what they have in their cart, their hands, what their intentions are. And so I just had this knack of catching shoplifters. So I started catching shoplifters and I caught them at quite a few at each location here in Springdale and uh, actually was given an award one year from Gerald Harp at the annual Christmas party banquet that we had out the rodeo grounds and I was surprised didn't know I was going to get it and was given a cash award and a recognition of catching the most shoplifters caught in the company ever for that year and you guys used to have a catwalk one of the stores, 119, the old 119 had a catwalk. Catwalk is an area above the sales floor. It was a ramp that you walked 360 around the store, and you had vents that looked like air vents from 
if you were down in the store floor that you could look out of. And I would uh, work up there and they paid me sometimes after I got off from doing my closing manager job to do that. So okay. I would watch people and catch shoplifters. I had binoculars, had an intercom up there and uh, could tell thousands of stories on that. I bet so. Mm-hmm. No, that was a thing. Yeah. What has been your favorite part about the job? Your whole career has been your favorite. I think I thought of this hard and long when this question was posed to me as a possible question. What would my answer be? And I would say, favorite part is just been working every day as LP. Took the district manager operations off me, so let me concentrate more on the security part, which I always have taken very seriously as a must for this company. And as we grew, I just knew that it had to be a separate department that it was in other big companies. And so finally being able to do that and being appointed the director is probably one of the highlights, favorite part of my job these days. But every time I had a position, it was my favorite. But I always wanted to do the next step. So when you first started, we had one store? No, when I first started, we would have had, uh, we had thinking around 12, 12 to 13. And how'd you manage to get cameras in every one of those stores now? The camera situation grew. I wasn't part of making those decisions, putting the original cameras in. They were put in by the former head of uh, HR that also was the LP guy, Harlan Earp. He he put uh, analog cameras in with DVRs that use videotape and uh, they would record on videotape and he had them in a number of stores and then when he retired from the company I took over and I was given an opportunity to uh, try out electronic uh, digital cameras and I did that at store 177 which happened to be where Brian Zamzow was the store manager for that final year before he came in the office so we tried one there and it kind of grew from 2005. To the situation we have now where we have cameras in nearly all of our stores, the ones we've, we've got some acquired stores that we haven't quite got there yet, but we're slowly getting them. Someone just starting out and you're looking back on your time, what advice would you give yourself or someone who just starting out with the harps? That hard work pays off. You do your job, come and want to do your job, take it and own it. Do the best you can every day. Take it one day at a time that you can take it and go wherever you need to go. The most fulfilling thing in your job? I don't know if you really can answer that or not, but... I would say two things. I would say getting the LP recognized and become a part of the company and also getting cameras on board in all stores as we grew. I was finally sold them. I had to budget them. I had to sell them on what cameras uh, would do. We had 48 stores. I was told I could do a third of them. So I did 16 stores. And by the time I got to the 12th store, between accidents and a few other things that had happened, that video caught before I got to the 16th store and they were going to analyze whether we do more. I was told by Roger Collins at that time to put them in every store. So put them in all 48 stores. I actually took my time off as a DM. Zamzal, Brian filled in my spot. He called on the stores and I went out one store at a time each week, laid it out, ordered the equipment, had two people that installed it and brought them online. And that's how the 48 stores got involved. So the camera system is probably one of my shining moments. Yeah, I would say it's a pretty big, pretty big task to complete, at least. Um, it was at that time, but it's grown from I was allowed a certain budget because I had a budget and tell them how much it was. So that was 16 cameras per store. And in a larger store, I was able to put 32. And now some of our stores, every time we build one right now, we'll have from anywhere from 50 to 60 cameras in them. So it is evolved because of the importance that cameras are. There are eyes away from when we can't see. Well, this next question is not on the list either. And I kind of think 
think people need to see the other side of you because they only really get to hear you over the phone most of the time. And you have another side. You have a very caring side that I see a lot of times. And you have great heart for not only harps, but for the employees. And I don't think the employees truly know how much you back them on everything they do. Because I could bring you a case on some investigation I'm working on and you're immediately defending the associate every single time you, you don't take my word for anything you're defending them defending them defending them until it's completely evident that they've done something and i don't know if it's really a question but i want to shine the light on another side of you that people don't see and um, you're not this gruff old man that just gripes and complains and calls you have another side of you and are you like this side at home or what you only- see is what you get you see me at work it's no different at home that way with hope my family would say that i'm that way with them grandkids, my daughters, their husbands, and anybody outside that would know me. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Straightforward. Tell you like it is. She'll be able to edit that out. So. I might leave it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. That was one of my uh, camera techs calling. Probably wanting me to view a camera that he's working on. Yeah, my phone was blown up too. Your so, phone always blows. <laughs> so important lessons. What's like the, one of the biggest ones you've learned or anything that you could pass on for associates or anybody listening? Well, I had that question asked earlier by Bob when he was doing uh, some article on us that were retiring and had been with the company the 45 years, Lane and I. And uh, basically... That was a hard one to really come up because there are a number of spots. But the lesson was basically the way I approached it and the way I would have people approach it when I was their manager or their DM would be telling them when they came to me and said, you know, I'd like to do this position, like do this and do that. And I said, well, if you work hard, show your manager what you're capable of, accomplish the task in a timely manner, the best you can. You'll make mistakes, correct the mistakes and go on and just make sure that you continue to move forward on everything that's given to you i said you control where you go so my positions have controlled that comes with a position which comes with the job title and you know it sets you up for both monetary and uh, fulfillment with your retirement coming up you retire on august 25th is that right that's a friday that will be my last technically work day the actual end of the year is the 27th of august and uh, that is officially the last day I will be an employee of Harps. Well, what do you plan on doing for your retirement? Golf or working out? What do you well, do? Well, I will continue hopefully to golf with a few guys that I kind of golf regularly here. Um, but to basically, I got a lot of <laughs> a lot of chores, a lot of projects at the home that I've not done. Declutter. Oh, house needs painted. I have to get things, get ready to do that, and um, just do things around the house. But just take each day at a time, or whatever the good Lord still gives me. Uh, on this earth and uh, take it one day at a time but enjoy it and you know reach that time in my life that that's what you work for that's what your retirement was and harps has set us up to do that i'm a believer and if you are a member of harps and an owner in harps and you look at your statement every time it comes out and every time the stock price comes out you know that that's me that's mine and that's what i'm working for would have never thought that in the beginning but that's where we're at all right and uh, one last question. I think we've kind of touched on this here and there, but your greatest career accomplishment, is there something you can single out? You've done so many things, you've from law enforcement investigations to cases that you've worked on. Is there anything that stands out that you think of that? 
Well, what I've taken pride in, but I don't boast because it would kind of be blowing my own whistle, tooting my own horn, kind of speak, but that is that so many of the people that you see in the positions that you see, from the David Ganungs, the Brian Zamzows, to uh, David LeClaire when he was here, all the uh, current DMs, Frank Ray was a store manager for me, all the people that are still with the company, that have stayed with the company and worked hard and performed their duties and look where they're at. So, you know, having that many people be successful and go on and be able to uh, retire and or are set to retire or are still working in, in the positions they are. That's kind of been a pleasure and to see so many because over 45 years, that's a lot. That is it. Did Kim ever work for you? No. Kim and I Kim, was, Kim and I were equals as store managers and DMs as far as the position title go, but then he quickly left. But the path that Kim was given was supposed to be that way, and look where it's taken him and where it's taken this company. So Definitely. But yeah, we were both store managers, and I replaced Kim in Fort Smith because he moved to a different store, and then uh, we both were chosen as the first two DMs for the company when they created the position. So we were young and store managers at that time, and there were a lot of people that put in that were both store managers that had been with the company 30 years to some people here in the office, but yet they chose Kim and I, so it kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, um, I've kind of said this before, but I've worked with a lot of law enforcement professionals over the years, a lot of de- investigations, a lot of detectives, and I've never seen anybody as much fire, you know, to get the bad guy, to get the person that's hurting harps or the person who you protect the innocent. That's what our job was as law enforcement. That's kind of what I look at it now. And you were very good at that. You were very diligent on whatever you're working on. I called you eagle eyes, you know, because you could find anything on camera. There wasn't something that you couldn't find. If it was there, you're going to find it. And um, I'm very proud to work with you over the years and thank you thank you that was kind words i just took it as if you're an owner it was taking it out of my pocket and to take it out of your pocket isn't right not only is it against the law but what you earn and what you have is yours no one should be able to just take that at at will so when i approached it that way it was for that way and to protect every asset that i could for the company and that's what i tried to do through the time so I, as you guys were talking, I wrote down some questions that were not originally on here. (laughs) Um, But I was thinking of these as you were, as y'all were chatting. I think a lot of people would want to know, John, what is the strangest thing you ever caught someone shoplifting? Right before we started this podcast, John was showing me a video of somebody shoplifting. And I don't, I've never seen, am I not supposed to say something like that on here? You're fine. The strangest thing or... The oddest thing or the funniest thing? I can tell you a couple All of quick them. ones. Tell me a few, yeah. At 119, next door here, we the old 119 had a parcel pickup. Anybody doesn't know what a parcel pickup is, that's where you, we used paper in those days, not plastic. You sack the groceries, you put them in a tub, and you roll them down a, a conveyor belt, and it went down to what we call parcel pickup. And you would write on the back of the receipt the number on the tubs for the customer. So their last name rings, tub 50, 55 go out and that person would go around come up hand the receipt to uh, the guys over at uh, parcel pickup anyway so it was a very short front end so the register to the ramp that you rolled the tubs down was no more than maybe eight feet and i was sacking that was the days we sacked those sacks and one day there was a gentleman coming through and he had blood trickling down the side of his head it was just a little stream of red and he had a cap on it and i said sir i'm sorry you're, you're injured and i i pointed to his head while i accidentally bumped the bill and the cap fell off, and he had a rump roast on top. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then we talked to catwalks. I have to tell you a catwalk story. Actually, there's two of them, but the one was that uh, there was a lady that would come in and she was shoplifting candy and she was eating it on the way. And I would get on the intercom and I would call down to a manager and tell them what aisle they were on so that they could also help me watch. And there's this lady, she was on the bread aisle. And so I called down to Mike Harp at that time was working for the company and he he was at 119 with me, and we were working that, and I talked on the intercom. And I said, Mike, Mike, she's on aisle seven. And the intercoms at that time were the old mechanical types. And so in order to speak, you hit, picked up the handle, put it to your ear, but the button was on the handle. I was depressing the button to speak as I was talking to Mike. So it was being broadcast completely <laughs> over the store. And in this particular case, he says, well, what does she look like? Now, wait a minute, John, John. And I said, well, she's kind of on the heavy side, excuse me, and on aisle seven. And she quickly looked up and she dropped the item and she quickly ran out. And so when I came down off of the catwalk that particular day, after that time, there were at least eight people standing down there, including Mike Harp, laughing their tails off as I came down. And I just simply came down and said, hey, got the job done. <laughs> Whatever other, it takes, right? Whatever, no. <laughs> the other time was a lady that came in, and she was on the salad dressing aisle. And she went and she picked the salad dressing up. She popped the cap. So she popped the seal and dipped her finger in, put it in her mouth and licked it. Pause a minute. Put the cap back on. Put it back in place. Mm. She did this three times. So she did one, two. The third one she picked up, she popped the cap. What did she... She, you can't see me. <laughs> Basically, she put back, after she dipped, she put back the one she finally liked with her empty hand, grabbed a fresh one mm -hmm. that was still sealed, and she put back the one she tested back on the shelf. Oh. So we had three bottles. So I would went down real quick, and I grabbed the three bottles. You could tell the seal was broke, and she was checking out and scanning through uh, a checker named Marge. Marge was a checker that worked at 119, kind of a landmark there, and she did a good job. And I just walked up, and I put the three bottles down, and I said, Marge, please scan these for this lady. Ma'am, you have a nice day. And I turned around and walked away. <laughs> and she, she didn't put up a fight or anything? How could she? What could she say? That's funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, weird stuff. There, there's been weird stuff in different ways that they tried, from like under the hat to the guy that I showed you today. He was stealing liquor at one of our stores, and uh, he was putting them inside an open shirt that he was wearing because he had a spandex top shirt underneath, and it stretched real well, and it sprang back. So he was loading his backside, but with the loose shirt hanging down like a beach shirt. You can't tell. And he walked out with over $300. $150 in, in uh, liquor. Holy cow. Another strange one, funny one, and the last one I'll tell on this, unless you have other questions, was a guy who was on crutches. And he definitely had uh, a cast on one of his legs, and he was on crutches. And he had his shirt out. And I was on the catwalk watching. And sure enough, he went down an aisle, and I forget the item, but he took the item off the shelf, and he backed up to the shelf, and he put it under his belt on his pants waistband, and then he pulled his shirt that was tucked in down and covered the waistband. And then he walked out and I stopped him and he was arrested and he went to court and I had to go to court with him and so we went and it was the last case heard in that court that day and I got up in front of him and I was questioned by his lawyer and also the prosecutor who was a rookie at the time and long story short was I give my testimony he give his testimony and then the judge decides it. judge says well I'm gonna find you not guilty in this case which went all over me but I took it in stride and he says however you go shopping in the store every 
over again and you're on crutches, I take it you take somebody else with you or you push a basket. Mm. And after it was over in the court in Springdale, I asked the judge, I stayed around until he left the bench and I asked him why. And he said, it was my call. He said, you weren't wrong. He said, it was my call today. He did a good job. But that was strange because I had caught the guy red-handed, but yet he was found innocent. So Uh, a lot of shoplifting stories. My kids have a lot of them that I've told at the dinner table, and they want me to write a book. Who knows? I might do that someday. Yeah. I actually, I have something to say about that, but I'm going to leave that for the end. This kind of goes hand in hand with what I just asked you, but do you have a most memorable experience from your whole career here? Most memorable? That's a hard one. Being appointed LP director was memorable. Uh, being with a company 45 years and being able to do what I'm able to do and, and do it up to the day that I, I leave and still have the respect, I hope, from the associates. Uh, most memorable? I won manager of the year one year. That was most memorable because uh, I was in stores that it was hard to do that. But mm-hmm. I did get a manager of the year one year at our year-end banquet. That was a highlight. The recognition for catching shoplifters, totally unexpected because I thought no one really knew that, but I... Gerald Harp was keeping track, and that was his award. I think being appointed the DM, because, again, that was a long list, probably 30-some applicants, and I had only been with the company 1978 to 89, what, 11 years? Mm -hmm. Only been a store manager six years of that, and they put me in a position of district manager. So Yeah. But I knew I could do the job. I knew that, you know, whatever they put in front of me, I was going to do my best. And if I put the effort forth, I'd get results. And that's what I did. So I would say becoming a DM, first time position being filled, LP director, probably the two. Mm -hmm. On another note, kind of back to the shoplifting thing, I was thinking about this as you were talking about being up on the catwalk and kind of calling that woman out on accident. That was accident. I understand that employees are not allowed to tackle people in the stores because I've had people ask me, has so-and-so ever tackled anyone? I'm like, no, they're not allowed to do that. But was there a time that you were allowed to do that? And if so, did you ever tackle anyone? Well, it was always technically not in our policy to physically encounter a shoplifter because you don't want to be injured or worse or injure or worse the shoplifter because the shoplifter does have rights but yes there was a couple of times when i was at my original store 186 i caught many shoplifters and they were that was over there by the aq the old north store we call it it's still there and uh, i chased one down the street he went down bacchus and he went up a couple of streets well they had called the police and i was chasing him in those days the cigarettes weren't locked behind the case so he had grabbed a carton that was on a display that used to be on an end cap if you can believe cigarettes were in cartons on end caps and of course they didn't cost what they cost today but the bottom line is though they were the highest theft item in a grocery business at that time so he grabbed a couple cartons of cigarettes and he took off and i chased him and i they had the police so i'm over it's in the summertime and i chased him two or three streets to the uh, west uh, on Bacchus and up the street and finally cornered him and he was in a yard and I was standing in the street and he was threatening me with uh, with words at that time. He took off his shoes and started throwing his shoes at me and about that time he threw his last shoe at me and I ducked and missed and it landed in the street and I kept watching down towards the end of Bacchus, which probably 100 yards, and finally the squad car turned the corner and uh, came up and as the guy was approaching me. But yes, I physically went after people. And then one time at 119, I had a guy that when I brought him back to the office, the old office at 119 was kind of a three steps up and right up front 
And so you kind of oversaw the registers and the floor, and it was real narrow. And I grabbed him in there, and he had he was he was a trucker, and he had a knife strapped to his side. Just I don't know if it was a hunting knife, don't remember. But when I caught him, he came in and he started arguing with me. He grabbed for him, so I took him down on the floor, holding the knife, and finally the police came. So I did. I was lucky. And um, there was another time at 119 that we caught a gentleman. I probably since this will be out in the public, I won't use names, but this guy was a bad apple. In Springdale. He was a known criminal, had been to prison. I didn't understand, didn't realize, didn't know who he was. He and his girlfriend were shopping 119. I was on the catwalk. She hid something. I met him at the door along with Mike Harp. And she started to go through the door. And I said, no, ma'am, you're going to need to come back in the office with me. And he kind of barged through and said, no, I'm not. And I said, yes, she is. And I grabbed her arm to lead her just by grabbing her elbow and turning her and leading her. And the man started through the door and Mike Harp tackled him. And they wrestled, and this was lawn and garden time, and we had flower arrangements that we displayed out front with landscaping timber on cinder blocks with nails in there. They went down, and they were wrestling on the floor and on the ground, and I picked the guy up and helped him stand up and shook him and said, you stop right now. And he took off and left. Police came and arrested the gal. They knew who he was. And when I heard the story of him being in prison, him supposedly injuring a lineman when he was on his bike, beating him with a chain, and realized that I had done that, physically picked up (laughs) this bad apple. So I was looking over my shoulder for at least six months after that. Until he finally went back to prison, and then he escaped. When they brought him back up to Washington County to go to court one time, he escaped. They caught him over in Elle Springs, took him back to prison, and then he escaped again, and they caught him over in Tulsa, and it ended up a few years after that. Uh, he was in Tulsa breaking into a school, and he shot at the police, and they shot, and he didn't make it. Oh, it was gosh. a bad apple, but that particular shoplifting, I literally picked him up and shook him and told him to stop, and I didn't know who I was dealing with. Holy cow. <laughs> well, there's one more I want him to share. He didn't act like a law enforcement officer, but he implied that when they were sacking a bunch of, I think it was employees or somebody putting trash in the tra- in a trash bag. That was bag Berryville. That was, that, that was Berryville. I was the DM over the Berryville store. It was at my old store. It was on the corner. And I'd been told that the clerk that worked the fuel department, because we had pumps, that was some of our first pumps, was at that store. And so we had it separate. You had the grocery store and then the, the gas area and deli. And anyway, at night they would take the cigarettes out after stocking them in the fuel department, take the trash around the corner and drop it. So I'd been told that. So I was stationed with a police officer across the street using Roger Collins's van because he had a van and uh, stayed one night, didn't catch him. So we went the next night. Next night, I was on the side of the store in my car, and I had asked the lady whose house was right across the street if I could use her driveway. She said yes. I said, okay. This was before cell phones. I said, if I knock on the door and you hear me knocking and I yell my name, call the police. So I watched and I watched and sure enough, here comes the clerk. She takes and she drops two bags, one in the dumpster and one on the ground next to the dumpster. I said, okay, here we go. So I waited and waited. Here comes a van, pulls up to that side of the store, about five spots over and a guy opens the slide door on the back of the van on the side and he jumps out and he goes and he runs real quick and grabs the bag. So I got out of my car, knocked on the door real quick and said, call the police, call the police. And I went over across the street and he threw it in the van and I said, stop. And he got out, he stopped and he got out. And I said, both of you up against the wall there. 
And I said, stand right there. And so they got up against the wall, and they faced the wall, put their hands up and spread eagle like I was going to search them. I just stayed my distance. And the gal that was an employee that was the boyfriend, his boyfriend that grabbed the bag that she gave to that had cigarettes in it, came out. And they said, what? I said, oh, this cop's got us. And she goes, cop? That's just our district manager. And about that time, they dropped their hands, and they both turned. But luckily, at that time, the squad car turned the corner. <laughs> Until on the stop, they went against the side of the building to spread eagle like I was going to search him like I was a cop. That's awesome. But then when she said, oh, he's just the DM, and they dropped their hands, I thought I was history. Oh, no. Well, I'm glad you, that lady helped you. <laughs> I was ready to run. They wouldn't have got to me. So uh, That's well. awesome. <laughs> Moving on really quick. If you had to pick one or a few people who you would say were the most influential on you, Throughout your career, who who would it be? I would say opening up A.J. Brightwell, who was my opening manager that I started work with because at that time, uh, the only grocery knowledge that I had was sacking groceries in the commissary when I was in the Air Force on base for tips. So he taught me the basics in operation, and he gave me the opportunities. He let me order the bread right away, and he made me a closing manager. And uh, so I learned the basics and basically what Harps was about in management starting there. And then the other one would have been... Uh, Lonnie Johnson, because when I got moved to 119, which is next door from the North Store, he was the manager, and he worked me on all the inventories, so I did inventories with him and learned all the background. He let me do the cash office a few times, and then probably top was Gerald Hart. Those were probably the top three in my life at that time. They gave me the opportunities and, and allowed me to to work and you know when I had a few uh, slips and falls that you know pick myself up and get the job done got to the point where Gerald Harp would call me bulldog because he knows what he give me assignment it would get done and it would get finally done and it would get done right so those mm-hmm. three I'd say starting out yeah and then the others that give me the opportunities from Roger to Kim those three starting out yeah so I hope this is okay that I share this but I got this email it was sent directly to me but it was about you oh boy So I'm going to read you this email because I thought it was cool. Said, hello, this is Hunter Cloud. I just want to say as a former employee of Harps and grandson of John Rinks, I couldn't be more proud and thankful for what he does. I've always worked hard because of the example he set and know on a few occasions where we would be going to Arkansas games together and he would have to handle an LP situation over the phone or give comment when Mr. Harp died during a Razorback basketball game. I'm not sure if he would be interested in doing a podcast sharing stories from his career, but he is a great storyteller. That's funny he said that. If not, I'm sure other people in the company could say a lot about what he has done. I will never forget when I started at 10box, he called me and told me to keep my hands out of my pockets while working the register. <laughs> oh, that's him. He's showing me a picture right now. That's his wedding. Sweet. He says, or the time he pulled the security footage of me rescuing a trash can from a dumpster at the warehouse. He also supported my journalism career and helped me get a room in Omaha so I could cover the CWS. What is that? College World Series. Okay. He was going up to Omaha from his job down. He lives down in Mississippi. He lives in Brookhaven, which is just above one of our stores down there that we just acquired. And he works for the Brookhaven paper and also the Natchez Democrat down there. So he was covering Mississippi State, who was in the World Series at that time, or won the World Series, and he he drove up there to cover them. He was just going to go up there and drive and park and live out of his car for the few days that he was going to be there. 
Mm-hmm. So I quickly got him a motel room. That's cool. Yeah, he actually, he finished this and he said, I live in Mississippi now, close to a few of the recently acquired stores, and Hope Harps continues to grow down here as well. Thank you for your time. With much thanks, Hunter Cloud. He tells me there's an empty Piggly Wiggly in Brookhaven, and <laughs> he said, they show an interest. He said, you really could. And I said, I've passed it along. Mm-hmm. Who knows? We may be that way someday. Yeah, that'd be cool. Hunter is very active on social media. I see his comments all the time, and I never made the connection that he's your grandson, so that's really cool to know. Yeah, when we bought the stores, he had heard a rumor. Of course, we couldn't say it yet, Mm -hmm. and so he was bugging me with a few questions, and I said, well, can't really talk. If they're doing something, we'll know about it. So when we were able to, I give him the, what you heard is going to happen and he said who can I contact so I hooked him up with the office here and I think through Sarah and so he wrote an article of our acquisition he said can I speak with the owners of those stores so that's when I went to uh, J-Max got the owners and he was on a call or going to have a call with one of the owners and he said would it be okay if a reporter comes named Hunter Cloud and talks to you and so he was able to talk to him he called him and talked to him he wrote the article but later got published in the Brookhaven paper but another writer female writer on the Natchez paper beat him to it so Uh. so he had his for the Brookhaven which uh, was a good article on us and them and our buying them and what it meant to buy them and then she did the article I'm Mm -hmm. quite proud of Hunter. That's really cool. He's won some journalistic uh, awards. He just received one. So, you know, it's hard to see him as a writer, but he is in a tough position these days because, let's see, reporters for newspapers are, I won't say a dying breed, but their job is ever-changing since the newspaper's kind of in the transitioning stage to Mm -hmm. social media. Yeah, it's a very important job. It gets more and more difficult, He works. He calls his scrams and me sometimes. He has to drive between Natchez and Brookhaven, where he lives with his wife now. And uh, when he's at Natchez, he still works for that paper a couple of days a week. And so when he's driving, covering sports over there, and he drives, it's an hour to get back over to Brookhaven. He'll call and talk to his grams or myself for a solid hour mm. <laughs> while he's driving. That's cool. Hunter's good. Travis, you got anything else? No, um, I think I said everything I wanted to say about John, and you know, it's been a pleasure working with him, and it's fun listening to all the stories. I've heard a bunch of these stories over and over again just as the conversation goes and as we work in cases and stuff. And so, uh, But, again, I wanted to truly harp on the fact that he loves employees, and he does anything for them, and he defends them to, to the death on everything, and it's, it's fun to see that. Well, if you treat others as you would want to be treated, that's the only way to look at it. Always try to give them a fair shake and help them in any way they can. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much to Travis and John for hopping on today and sharing some stories and advice with us. We're sad to see John go, but excited to watch where retirement leads him. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hometown Fresh channel and join us next week for another great episode.